You may be seated. I saved an important announcement for now. Uh, we have been collecting uh, gifts from you for, from the angel tree. And uh, as you guys know, we have a commitment to serving some of the local schools in our area. And this past week, we found out about some needs of some of the, the more underprivileged students in those schools. And so our angel tree has been repopulated with angels. And so I know that you guys are uh, moving toward generosity in that area. But if you have not uh, picked up an angel tree sign, it's right out that door on the left. And uh, exactly what we need for those children to have a very Merry Christmas is listed on there and then also instructions about when to bring them back. And if you don't have the ability to go out and shop this week, uh, then you can always just make a contribution online or in the baskets in the back and just designate an angel tree and we will certainly see to it that those um, precious children uh, who God has called us to influence are um, taken care of this holiday season. I'm, I'm always blown away by the generosity of our group. And so I, I thank you ahead of time for standing with us as we make the investment in our community. Let our lights shine, right? In the time that was leading up to the birth of Jesus, God's people, the Jews, were, were growing increasingly desperate for God to move to act on their behalf. Rather than, than living out the great and victorious life of a child of the Most High God, free and prosperous in the land that he promised them, they were actually experiencing political oppression, kind of oppression of a conquered people that was enduring a, a dark and painful silence from heaven. By, by the time that Jesus actually came, I think you probably know this, but it had been 400 years since God had spoken to them from heaven. There were no signs, there were no miracles, there were no messages from heaven, no light at the end of the tunnel of their terrors. And while they asked, where is God in the time of despair? They weren't seeking God. They were actually more judging God. Where are you? Why haven't you done something about this? They should have known what was coming. They should have known that in the midst of their despair, God was about to do something great because Isaiah had warned them 700 to 800 years earlier that the Messiah would come in a time of deep and desperate darkness. The prophecy is found in Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. We'll be looking primarily at Isaiah 8 and 9 today. But I just want you to 
Listen to how the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah began. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, they, they were living in what the prophet calls deep darkness when the light from heaven finally came on. Remember, it was 400 years of silence and darkness. But, but here's what we need to understand. The darkness they endured wasn't of God's choosing. God doesn't want to be without communication with his children. His silence fell from heaven on them because they chose to shut him out. They chose their darkness. When we read about darkness in Scripture, do you know what it means? It means evil or rebellion. It's when we choose to do something our way and not God's way. That's living in darkness. But it also means ignorance. It also means that, that we, we aren't aware of what God is doing or what God has said. They were living in darkness because they chose it. And Isaiah makes that crystal clear in chapter 8. We, we generally don't think of chapter 8 as leading into chapter 9 from a chronological perspective. But it's extremely important that we understand why they were living in this place of deep darkness. Now, Isaiah reveals why in chapter 8, beginning in verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God, judging him for what he has not done. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fear, fearful gloom. And they will be thrust in utter darkness. The, the darkness that Isaiah speaks of, that they were experiencing 700 years later, enveloped them because they stopped looking to God for answers. Answers that preceded these great questions that they were asking as they were stumbling in darkness. Isaiah says the reason that happened, he observes this in verse 22, they were looking to the earth. They were looking to the earth for their answers. So rather than looking to the transcendent God, God Most High, they turned inward. They consulted with what we would call their modern-day experts, the, the mediums and spiritists. They, they thought they, the mediums and spiritists, would be able to guide them through the difficulty. Now, they knew they were in darkness, 
Remember, they were a people of the light. They were God's chosen people, so they knew what it was like to walk in the light of God, but they were stumbling around. They knew they were in darkness, but, but here's what happened. They became firmly convinced that they could overcome the darkness themselves. They had educated, experienced mediums and spiritists that could guide them safely through so they didn't need God's help. They could handle this problem. You know, we do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. We, we just call our experts by different names. How many times have you heard our leaders in the past six months say, good science holds the key to solving our problem? Good science, good scientists, our experts can figure this out. And if it's not good science, then maybe it's good government. Or maybe it's the market doing well, or technology, or even for those who are spiritually inclined, it's the light within you that can lead you to peace. In other words, we can overcome. It's within us to get through this, to figure it out to emerge from the darkness because we are a great people. We live in the greatest nation on earth. It's really no different from what they were saying before the birth of Christ. So whether it's mediums and spiritists or it's science and technology, Isaiah spoke the truth when he said that looking toward the earth Curving in on yourself puts you in deep, deep darkness. Why? Listen, because the, the light that shines the way to peace does not come from within. It doesn't rise among us. It dawns upon us. That's what Isaiah was saying in verse 2. Do you remember the prophecy? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has, say it, dawned. It didn't come from within. The light that overcomes darkness comes from the outside because that light comes from God. And, and when the light came on at the darkest time in their nation's history, it came in the shocking form of a baby. The Messiah. The Christ child. The anoint, the anointed one from God. Look at the rest of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 beginning in verse 3. Because they saw the great light, because the light has dawned, verse 3, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people 
as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. How will all of that happen? For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And you know what they'll call him? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. How will he do this? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal. It, it was God's passion for the people of his pasture that would lead to, to this great reversal of fortunes. The debilitating darkness would be chased away because he chose in his grace and mercy, to send heaven's light, who was the light of the world. In darkness, the people were shrinking in despair. But when the light came on, there was a vision for expansion. It was renewed. And the nation was enlarged by God. And like the farmer whose crops come in, or the warrior who, when the spoils of battle are divided, there was great joy among the people because of that child. Their joy was restored. And the yoke of oppression, where they, that caused them to feel the darkness, it had been draped across their shoulders by foreign invaders. It was broken in the light, by the light. And, and the soldiers' uniforms, stained with the blood of battle, would be repurposed as fuel for the campfires of peace and prosperity. No longer did they have to hide in darkness from their oppressor. They could light fires and do life in peace and prosperity. Why would things change so drastically? Because to them a child was born. A child was born. A son was given. By the way, son of God and son of man. And the government... His kingdom of peace would rest solely on his shoulders. In other words, it's not what you do to establish peace or turn the light on. It doesn't come from within. It dawns upon. The government of peace will rest solely on his shoulders. 
That the help to come wasn't going to come from within them. It was going to come from without. A light to shine the way to the life they always dreamed of. The, the, light, the life they yearned for and turned on God when they weren't experiencing it. The Christ child. The Messiah would be the light that dawned in the darkness. And his beloved disciple John provided the full scope of the sweeping hope of his advent when he wrote these words in John 1. He said, in, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives life, that gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. Think about what was happening when the fullness of time came. And God decided that he could endure the silence no longer. He enacted the rescue mission, saving the world from the deep darkness of their sin. It was a deep darkness of their own making. The heavenly light came on in the form of a baby, and no matter how stiff the resistance, no matter how aggressively darkness tried to snuff out the light, it could not overcome the light of that child. Why? Because he was the Christ child, the Messiah. Now, what, what does the word Messiah mean? It means anointed, an anointed one. When we go back through the history of Scripture in the Old Testament, uh, kings, priests, and sometimes prophets were anointed. How, how did that happen? Oil was poured on them as a sign that they were being set apart by God for a special task. They had a job to do, they, and they were called and equipped to let their light shine in that dark world. Now, their mission was always to lead people to safety, to security, and ultimately to the salvation of God. But guess what? Their jobs were never completely done. They, they, they never finished the task. Either because they died, and they did, or because of the disobedience of the people the darkness always overcame them. Their lights always faded to black with the passage of time. But there was always a sense that while they couldn't finish the work, the work would ultimately be done. There was a sense that what they were called to do was pointing to one whose work would not fail and whose light would not fade in the darkness. The Scriptures pointed not to another anointed one, but to the anointed one. 
That one was coming that would not be anointed on earth, but anointed in heaven. This one came from God, the Son of God, whose light and life would shine forever. The safety, security, and the salvation that he provided would never be overcome. As Isaiah wrapped up his prophecy, he revealed that the anointed one, the anointed one, would be called by four distinct names, each revealing a different aspect of his triumph over darkness. How did he put it? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Throughout Christmas, as we study the Messiah, we're actually going to look at each one of those titles to gain an understanding of how Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One, provides the answers to the question, questions that the world is always asking in darkness. In the silence that often follows our rebellion... So, what does it mean for Jesus to be called Wonderful Counselor? Wonderful Counselor. Well, to begin with, we need to understand that the word wonderful in this passage is much weightier than the way we use the word wonderful in our typical conversation. We, we say things are wonderful... Uh, if they're pleasant, lovely, or full of chocolate, that's wonderful. But here, in the Old Testament, the word for wonderful literally means incomprehensible. It means mind-blowing. Jesus the Messiah is wonderful in a way that boggles the mind. The same word appears in a story in Judges chapter 13 when uh, God showed up to Manoah, who turned out to be Samson's father. And in, in the discussion, Manoah wasn't always the brightest. He just wasn't very bright. But in this discussion, he asked the Lord, who was appearing in this theophany, what his name was. And the angel of the Lord spoke and said, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? In other words, what he was asking is, Why do you ask my name, since it is beyond your understanding? It's wonderful. It is incomprehensible. Jesus, the Messiah, was wonderfully incomprehensible. He was born of a virgin. He showed power over disease, over demons, and even over dark death. He commanded the wind and the waves. 
and they obeyed. His counterintuitive teaching was of such depth and authority that it astonished the crowds who followed him and enraged the other teachers who were jealous of his brilliant teaching. He taught that the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the persecuted, are all blessed by God. He taught that God looked not at the outside and whether you conform to the traditions and the rules, but that God is looking at the inside. He's looking at the heart. He taught that significance in God's kingdom comes not by status, but by service. It was wonderful. And his advice for living, his counsel, was shocking. But it rang true in the hearts of his hearers as he exhorted them to love their enemies, to pray for those who persecuted them, to forgive to infinity and beyond. To turn the other cheek when assaulted. To give rather than to receive. To protect their souls from the destruction of materialism and selfish ambition. And he gave them the counsel to pursue the kingdom of God as if it were life changing treasure because it was and is his counsel was wonderful incomprehensible but Isaiah didn't say they will call him or celebrate him for his wonderful counsel When the light came on, they wouldn't say, he's really smart, it's wonderful counsel. No doubt his counsel is otherworldly. That was part of the wonder of it all. But the true significance of the Christ child, the Messiah, stepping out of eternity and into time, was that he was a wonderful counselor wasn't just his wonderful counsel. I'm not minimizing his counsel, but the story of Christmas is that he became counselor. Now, what, what does a great counselor do? If you've ever been to someone for counsel and they connected with you, then, then you know exactly what happens. The first thing they do is try to put themselves in your shoes. They, they want to understand your story. They need to know your strengths and weaknesses so they can understand how you got here. How did we get to this place where we're stumbling around in relative and maybe even figurative darkness? Good counselors do that by listening. But a wonderful, incomprehensible counselor did that by joining us. By literally putting himself in our shoes. That's the story of the incarnation of God. 
That's the story of the Christ child who came from heaven to earth and landed in a manger. He went to such great lengths to know us. Not, not, not just to hear about our problems, but to experience them. That He came to join us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus stepped out of the glories of heaven into the limitations of the flesh. As the Messiah, he was fully God and fully man, son of God, son of man, incomprehensible counselor. It's incomprehensible to think that God would stoop to become one of us. I'm so thankful for Christmas because at some point during the year, we need to be still and be blown away by the fact that we have a wonderful incomprehensible counselor who would stoop to become a man doing so so he could counsel or lead us into the light. I don't think there's a, a more poignant message, observation about the, the, the power of his counsel than what is made in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. I just want you to listen to it, but you can jot this down. This is, it's incomprehensible. Listen to what he says. For we do not have a high priest, an anointed one, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. How did that happen? Because he got in our shoes. Because he chose to become one of us. He was God with skin on. In the flesh. He was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. So, what... what what do we do? What does that mean for us? It means we can go to God. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, in our time of deep, deep darkness. We go to the wonderful counselor who knows exactly what it's like to be us. And, and he came with great teaching, unbelievable powers, wonderful advice for the life he created us to live. But he came as a counselor 
He came to be with us, to abide with us. And that makes all the difference. He came to say, look, don't look within for light. Look up. Look up. Our hope comes from heaven. I'll lead you as counselor. He, he walked in our shoes so he could bring us a heavenly perspective for our struggles. His counsel is something we could never arrive at on our own. It couldn't come from within us. It has to dawn on us. The light of grace and mercy from the God who is high and lifted up. The Messiah, the wonderful counselor, ensured that in the chaos of our darkness, wisdom and order emerges in an incomprehensible way from on high. Now, if, if you have never turned to the wonderful counselor to trust him, there is no better day, no better season than this one to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who did the unthinkable, put on a suit of skin so he could walk with us to the light. He was the light. And he is the life we long for. You can place your trust in him and by the way, as a wonderful counselor, he'll lead you to peace. So if you're walking with him, if you've placed your faith in him at some point, but you're stumbling around in a season of darkness and despair, he understands because he's been where you are. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that God will give us peace. After all, the Messiah is a wonderful counselor. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word the glories, the incomprehensible glories of this season. And I pray, Father, that we would all just choose to be still and know that you are God. That Jesus, the light of the world, is a wonderful counselor who bids us to come to him for peace. Father, I pray that you would forgive us when we look within for hope. Help us, Lord, to remember that the light of hope has dawned upon us. It doesn't come from within, but has come from without. Help us, Lord, to put our faith 
and our trust in the wonderful counselor that you sent from heaven. It's in his powerful, wonderful, mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.